There it is. Here we go. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Sunday, fun day. We're going to make it a fun day. Sunday, fun day. And uh, I put it in the comments there, but our friend John Lacito from Nebraska is watching with, with uh, Jeannie. And I'm so sorry to the genies that you stuck with uh, John this, this, this morning. Uh, well, it's a, it's one o'clock. One o'clock. It's early today. Hour early. This, I have to say for us to come live an hour earlier than we normally do is a little odd. Just saying, I'm not used to the. No, we've only done later. We haven't done early. We did noon right? for Amleto and we uh, did, Bob yeah. Learn when we had the birthday cake. Oh, that's right. We had yeah. the birthday. We had the birthday cake, and that yeah. threw me off too. Uh, yeah, you know, because I'm sure, like me, I have like a routine. Routine in the morning. Uh, so now when that whole when that routine gets jumbled a little bit, it's like a, okay. But on the other hand, I kind of like it. Because now I have an extra hour. You got when an extra go hour. Home. It's right. like daylight savings. Fall back. You yeah, get an extra so hour. I like that. <laughs> I hope I don't like it too much because then I might ask to switch to one o'clock. But uh, I'm sure we'll be fine. And of course, it wouldn't be the weekend if Joe Callow wasn't here with us. Back to back. To the, uh, yesterday, today, Live I get, uh, in the studio. Yeah, I got a Saturday and a Sunday. Today. today, I have a Knicks hat on. Oh, because he's so. He's well, Peter, you know, covers the Yankees, the Islanders, the Knicks, but you know, the Yankees are my that's my yes, yeah. that's my heart. You know that. Know but that. because I'm with my Met fan friends here, I said <laughs> I'll spare the Yankee cap, which I have about 18 of them, and I'll wear the one Knicks cap that I have. Because even right. though the Knicks are terrible, I'm a Knicks fan through and through. Isn't it hard to believe that a city like New York I know I cannot know. field a competitive yeah. At least consistently competitive. I know. It's frightening. Basketball really. team. I know. I know. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I don't know. It's like any sport team. And two awesome stadiums. Two beautiful, <sighs> beautiful arenas. Yeah. Well, since Isaiah Thomas touched the Knicks like that much, just a little touch of Isaiah Thomas, it's been all downhill. But that's dull. I, I'm not going to get into it. Right. But there's, I'm that's sure there's James other things Dolan. That it's Dolan. That. Yeah. He should go. Maybe, should, maybe yeah. Peter can, maybe Peter some can some say he should go play his guitar and. Play with his band and please sell the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and and because uh, Joe, you're here with two fellow Met fans. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start off with the meme of the day. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, and uh, this is this is courtesy of every Met fan. Okay. Uh, out there. <laughs> hey, wait! I think I know those guys. Nice, nice, nice. Yankee fans be like <laughs> so much like shit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, know. you know what? They look, you know, just... they look like true Met fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a game one of this season. Yeah. Unfortunately. yeah. Although, you know, we've had, you know, they, uh, honestly, the team is moving, I think, in a good direction. We've had a couple of years of real bright spots. I mean, we've had great players come on. And uh, whether it's like Pete Alonso that they really kind of took a chance on. Uh, you know, the whole contract thing, playing yeah, yeah. his contract. Yep. Or, uh, you know, like, people don't even think about it, like Jeff O'Neill. Yeah. Jeff, you know, who would have thought McNeil. that when he Jeff came, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that he would have been, yeah. the, you know, like, he could hit. changer that was. And yeah. yeah. He could yeah. flat out hit that kid. Yeah. Yep, so, you know, I think that for the most part, Met fans, and, and of course, we have Jason DeGrom, who is. See, and now, of course, we get this right back. 
Well, I, I Although I do it. like this one. This is funny. <laughs> Kevin, well, <Or> Kevin. <laughs> yeah, uh, Butler, that's true with the Knicks. It's true. <laughs> but it starts with Dolan, Rob. But still, you're right. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Liz. So welcome to episode 56. Lawrence Taylor. Oh, oh episode 56. Quick with the numbers. Quick with the numbers. Episode 56, live from Rab, from inside the insane asylum that we call Rab's Country Lanes. Yep. Uh, we certainly miss having you all here on the lanes with us, but it's oh, certainly yeah. fun. Uh, and I hope you guys have been enjoying the show every day. Uh, and it's day 62 of the quarantine. Mm -hmm. 62. Uh, so yeah. it's, been, it's, been a long, it's been a long couple months. Uh, before we know it, we're going to be back in action, uh, yeah. like, like some of the other states. Yeah. I, I have Before we bring our guest in, I, this is another one I want to share. <laughs> Because uh, did you guys happen to see the new South Carolina? There's a restaurant. No, uh, there's some funny stuff happening in businesses around the, the country. People are kind of uh, trying to adjust, you know, using their uh, whatever uh, wild ideas they may have. Well, yesterday we talked about the one from the, Germany the with pool the noodles, pool noodles, yeah. which I don't know if it was real or not. Uh, this one is real. There's a, this restaurant in South Carolina. Instead oh, of all oh, the yes. mannequins, <laughs> instead yes. of putting tape across the boots, the they've opted for no, yes. they're not mannequins, they are blow up dolls. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, and that okay. may be a little worse. There is a Manhattan, but I will say, I think it's, I thought that was neat. Yeah, yeah. It, they force people not to want to sit in their favorite booth. Yeah, there is a bougie restaurant <laughs> in Manhattan. I can't remember the name of it. The guy on the left is creepy. That he is, especially since he's looking right, like you feel like he's looking yeah. right at you. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, there is a, a restaurant in Manhattan uh, that is doing the same thing with very fancy. Really? Oh. Oh. Yes. Very. Okay. I'm going to try. I'll pull that up and I'll send it to you. Maybe tuxedos and, are, are in order. Yeah. I, 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 but I, I, John, you're, I, I, I thought it was brilliant when I saw the story. Yes. And the, the owner of the restaurant was being interviewed by the local, uh, I think it was the Fox yeah. affiliate. Yeah. And uh, she just said, I don't. I don't want it to be ugly. I don't want people to be looking right. at right. caution empty. tape. Right. You don't yeah. want empty. to see emptiness. Empty, right. And yeah. they interview all the, <laughs> the patrons. That were there between the mannequins. Oh, she's got the hots for me. She's yeah. looking at me. <laughs> and this one lady was in the in the, in the the restaurant for two nights in a row. And she's like, I can't wait to come tomorrow night and see my friends <laughs> sitting in the same booth. So she dressed them up in their own clothes. Very and nice. They really made the best of it. I, I, I yeah. think uh, we'll see a lot more of that creativity. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you, you know, there's something to be said for filling the booth yeah and um because it is even though people are i, I this is my opinion people are anxious to go back to the things that they have definitely there, it is kind of depressing if you were to sit in a place emptiness that is yeah. a, you know only filled by a quarter yeah that's so true. you know kind of like that broken window syndrome yeah. so I, I listen i think there's a great idea it's a good idea plus yeah. it gives you know gives people something to laugh about and yeah. talk about people talk watching about. Right. Yeah. And, and it even reminded me, put some bowling shoes on them. Yeah. I, listen, don't be surprised if you came and you, you know, and if we had to do some distancing in the, in the beginning, yeah. you know, you never I know what you might pull find. my mannequins out on yeah. the yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one mannequin in the pro shop creeps me out sometimes, <laughs> especially that there's nobody in the place and I look yeah. quick and you I think, think that, somebody's standing and it's there. moving because yeah. you guys are doing some, moving stuff around and it's been in different spots. I think yeah, I'm going to draft that mannequin away. next it year. It actually reminded me. He's going to be on my team. I'll draft him. I'll draft him just so he feels welcome. Uh, he's a C. Yeah, he's a C. So he's I'll draft C. him. That's fine. Okay. Um, it reminded me, I don't know if you've seen the app Quip, Q-U-I-P. No. So uh, I think it's Quip, right? Q yeah. You see a bunch of different series. Liz is laughing. Do you know what even what I'm going to mention? No. Oh. 
So uh, this application, it's all uh, like short TV shows and news clippings. Okay. So like the first month is free, and then you and then oh, they I just launched this. Advertised. They're advertised everywhere. However, there's one with Anna Kendrick, and it's called Dummy, <laughs> and this, it's a story about. It's basically it's about her as a writer. It's not true life. It's of right, course, right. Uh, and she, they're all eight minute episodes, uh, and she develops this relationship with a sex doll that she, oh. that speaks to her. Okay, but it's basically her speaking right, through. Speaking through the, right, it's the weirdest thing in the world, but it's hysterical. She's but that funny. made me think, and, and she's hysterical. She's funny. So she's I actually funny. thought that it's a, it's a new medium. Some great. Funny content, news content, and it's quick. Like you, right. I think there are ten episodes, so it's like an hour long total, oh, okay. and you can go back and forth. That one happens to be very odd quip. and funny. And that check f- that out. Odd quip. thing. That's the first one okay. that came across my face. <laughs> quip. Okay. Quip. Uh, check it out. It's I'm a little purple icon. Yeah. Anyway, hey, we have a really special guest yeah. with us today. Guys, um, I- I introduce our guests. Oh, our guest today is Peter Body. And uh, I think Joe's been reading up on him a little bit. Yeah, well, Peter, uh, I've read many of his works because he has been covering the Yankees for quite a while and the Knicks and the Islanders. And as I said, uh, I think yesterday I said it. Well, was it last week? No, I think it was yesterday. I said, I'm one of the three Islander fans that actually bowl here. (laughs) Everybody else is a Ranger fan. So I look forward to Peter's writings because he writes about the Islanders. He covers hockey. But, you know, being I'm an Islander fan, there's not many of us around. So... I always enjoyed reading Peter's uh, works. And Peter, yeah. you write for the Post. Uh, yeah, I was at the. Uh, oh, he's you... muted. I was at the Daily News for about twenty years. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. You know. Right. I was at the Daily News for yep. about twenty years, and I went back. Nice oh. Got a little delay. Okay. Good. Hang on a second. Hold on. I'm gonna take them out and bring them back in. Okay. All right, kick them out. How's that now? Hey. You guys got me? No. You know, Peter, I'm gonna do do this. Do me a favor. Leave and yep. come back if you don't mind. Okay. And uh, we'll get. You know, I'm sorry about that. We'll get Peter right back in. Yeah. We don't want to. Um, a delay is one thing, and then the sound. I thought yeah. it was actually the TV. I was getting ready to, to put, put the, the sound TV, up. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't. I didn't check it today, like I should have. And no, this isn't done intentionally because <laughs> because he's an Islander. Because he writes for the Islanders. It's okay. Oh, it's too funny. All right, hi Peter. Hi guys, can you hear me now? That's yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Cool. Yep. Well, welcome to Live from Raps. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for coming. So you were just saying, uh, so he uh, columnist for the New York Post, but you were with the Daily News for how long? Twenty years. Uh, for twenty years, from ninety-seven to went till uh, until two thousand seventeen, and then I got hired back at the Post uh, in October of of last year. Uh, I had started my start of my career at the Post in nineteen ninety. Was there for about seven years. Went to the Daily News, and now I'm back at the Post. Great. Two totally different outlets. Yeah. <laughs> Two totally different experiences. I'm sure for you. Absolutely, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Almost thirty years in uh, New York tabloids. It's been uh, I've seen a lot of fun stuff over the years. Oh yeah. Oh, with yeah. the characters that we've had play sports here. That, that's for sure. <laughs> we've had many, many characters, right? And for sure. Plenty of stories to tell. Yep. And and so in that time frame, uh, you've written a lot of different a lot of different things covering all uh, all sports. But then you found, you have your your niche with the Yankees and the Islanders. 
And so are you a fan? How did, how, how did that niche become to be within your work? Is it just because of the super fan in you or, hey, were you assigned, hey, you need to go do this? Oh, no, definitely. It's you, you do what you're assigned. Um, really, you have to keep your fandom out of it whenever you're covering any of these teams <laughs> in New York. I mean, that's that's the number one rule. Right. So yep. um, I grew up on Long Island. I actually uh, was like a, I was a Mets fan. I was a Giants fan. I was an Islanders fan as a kid. Um, but that kind of all went out the window once, uh, you know, once you start your career. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, just the fact that, um, you know, being a uh, Islander fan from when they first started, I would imagine, right, from when they first came into the league, they came uh, in. Yeah, 70s. like a few, maybe mid-70s probably, I would say. Yeah, so you you probably suffered a little bit of the same heartbreak I, I did, always losing to the Canadians in like 77, 78, and then getting beat by the Rangers in 79, which I don't think I'm still over that one. But then uh, they came back to win, you know, the next four years, win those cups. And it was a great run. Right. And you've seen that in other sports, too. Like, you know, you're, everyone's watching this Michael Jordan uh, 30 for 30 yep, series right now. And, you know, teams have to go through the losing sometimes before they can get to that level of winning championships. You know, the Bulls had that with the Pistons. And, uh, you know, the Islanders certainly had that uh, in the late 70s as they were building, off, you know, ahead of ahead of that dynasty that, that came about in the 80s. Yeah, for sure. That was a that was a hell of a run. And I still say that, you know, when they lost to Edmonton in 84, I don't know, a couple of bounces here and there. Maybe that series turns around differently. But I think it was just Edmonton's time. It was their turn. You know, I mean, they won 19 playoff series in a row. Right. So let's uh, yeah. not get too let's not get too greedy with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a New Yorker. You know, you always want to. Win. <laughs> That's true. Yep. So um, who was one of your favorite players covering for, for them, Peter? Who, who uh, you know, from like back at that time, who, who was one of your favorite Islanders when, when you first started covering the team? I started my first year covering the Islanders for the post was in 94. Okay. Uh, and then uh, immediately in spring tra in, uh, in training camp that year, they ended up having a lockout. The season was only like about half the season. Correct. Um, yep. But, you know, there were players like um, – Darius Kasparaitis was a really fun player to cover. Uh, uh, Ziggy Palfi was a fun player to cover in my, my early years covering the team. Uh -huh. um, you know, and then and then there was, uh, I know it's he's like kind of like Voldemort from the Harry Potter series, I'm not supposed to say his name, but Milbury was a lot of fun to cover. Oh, gosh. Uh, on those, those Islander teams. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a kind of guy, he was almost like a, like a poor man Steinbrenner, right? Like he would say anything and he would kind of have these outlandish, quotes and he wouldn't be afraid to criticize his own players or the, or the league or things like that so you know I know I know fans aren't enamored of Mike Milbury Islander fans but for anybody covering the team he was like gold I mean he was the kind of guy that you could go to every day and get a fun quote a quote book right I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> he I mean if you think about all the players that he traded away guys that he traded away like probably not one all-star team he might have traded away two all-star teams Chara, Luongo, Palfi that you mentioned, all those guys, he traded them all away. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, I, obviously, he was under heavy financial constraints also with some of them, not all of them. Some of them were just huge blunders. Right. Uh, you know, Palfi, he had to he had to trade because it was a, um, you know, it was a contract situation. And, you know, the Islanders payroll was easily the lowest in the league. I mean, I covered that year that John Spano defrauded the league and the, t and the team. And I was actually... I appeared in that 30 for 30 on ESPN. That was really well done by Kevin Connolly. I watched um, it. Yeah. yeah, that was, I mean, that was a, that was a fun year, but there, but there were times in that era where, you know, they weren't even trying to be competitive. 
um, and they had to trade away a lot of a lot of players. But yeah, he definitely made some mistakes, though some huge mistakes on uh, on guys who ended up having Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, he certainly did. I mean, but you know what? I mean, he did try to uh, he I guess did try to build with some young talent players that he got back or whatever picks, but. It just was a it was a rough couple of years there for a while. Absolutely, people forget too though that they that in four of his last five years as GM, they actually made the playoffs. Yes, uh, they did. Which, yep. Which you know he doesn't ever get the credit for that um, because he made so many other mistakes. But those teams, you know, I covered those teams in two thousand two, two thousand three for the for the Daily News. Yep. Um, that series with Toronto in two thousand two might have been one of the bloodiest. Oh man! Playoff series that I've ever been around. I've covered a lot of hockey playoffs over the years, and yeah, uh, that was one of the most cutthroat playoff series I can ever remember. That was brutal. That was, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he did go out. He got guys like Pekka, and he got Yashin, and those types of guys. He he tightened up uh, the goaltending with Osgood. Right. So he, yeah, he did make some good moves, but I think he'll always be known as the guy that kind of made that whole. You know, he kind of crumbled the whole thing, but he'll he'll just get that probably wrapped forever. You know. Right. Well, that was my first book with uh, with Alan Hahn of uh, ESPN yeah. MSG called Fish Sticks, which I know is a sore subject for yeah. some Islander fans because of the jersey change and the logo. It looked like the Gordon's Fisherman. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, he you know, it was a it was an interesting time. I mean, for, for anybody who grew up with the Islanders in the 80s to have seen that stretch in the 90s was was really tough. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I don't want to hog up all people. No, yeah, no, 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 yeah. out. You're on a roll. And you know, it's 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 funny. These guys get a bad rap. Yeah, and uh, I don't. You know, there's a craft when it comes to to writing, but in the mm, sports yeah. writers, yeah, constantly get a bad rap for yeah. no matter what you say or what you write. Right, you're you're damned if you do, damned if you do, you don't. Uh, right or wrong, and yeah, so uh, it's always interesting to hear their perspective uh, and to t- their take, especially on these uh, on these uh, things. Write a book. You know, Islander fans weren't happy at the time, yeah. and then his perspective comes in play. So yeah. I always find it interesting talking to any of them. That's cool. Uh, so that that's cool. Hey, there's a couple questions from the viewers here first. Yeah. Uh, um, so, Peter, who would you con- consider to be your toughest interview? Uh, and then, of course, your the, the easiest one. But I think that the toughest interview for sure. That's a that's a good one. I mean, some you know, I feel like most guys, for the you know, for the most part, are okay with the media. They understand the the uh, you know the reason that that we're in there and you know that we're that we have a job to do. But I mean, some guys could be ornery. I remember like Randy Johnson when he was on the Yankees those couple of years. <laughs> yep. That was really it was a disaster. But he he didn't get it. I mean, he came from kind of small market teams in Seattle and Arizona, and and he didn't understand why people were coming up to him every day trying to ask him questions. He wasn't a big fan. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, in his first day as a Yankee, when he arrived in New York, he was uh, like the day before his press conference. One of the yep. TV cameras caught him like on the sidewalk outside, and him and the him and his security guard kind of got in a tussle with the with the camera guy. I mean, it's like, hey, welcome to New York, man. I mean, if yeah. you are, if if this is what if you know if you want to play you know for the Yankees, that's part of the deal, you know. And I think most guys understand that. Yeah, uh, easiest one. I mean, there are, there are a lot. I mean, a lot of guys really. Are, are excellent at the craft. I think I think um, one guy that most New York writers would would turn to would be David Cohn, who you see him now on broadcast and you realize how kind of engaging and he is. Um, but he was the kind of guy that would that would step up in the Yankee clubhouse and and kind of hold court with the media just to allow everybody, all his teammates, to not have to do it. You know what I mean? Like he would he would call guys over and he would you know just you know kind of 
shoot the breeze with the reporters. And, and um, you know, I think in a lot of way that kept guys away from Jeter and A-Rod and people like that as much over the years, you know, guys who would, guys who would be willing to do that kind of hold court with the media. And Owen is definitely one of those guys. Yeah, he's, seen, he's great. on. I mean, he does a great job, too, when he's on Yes. Phenomenal. And I, I, I read that before all the coronavirus stuff happened, that there was a chance he might have been working for the Sunday night games, ESPN. I think he was going to do a dual work for Yes and work for um, the other networks, too. Yeah, that was in discussion. I know uh, Andrew Marsh, end of the Post, who covers uh, sports media for us, uh, reported that. Um, but I guess they weren't able to work out terms of a deal. Yeah. Uh, but I, for me, for my money, Cohn. I, I feel like we're spoiled in New York because I feel like Conan O'Neill yeah. and John yeah. Flaherty and then on the Mets side, uh, you know, Darling and Hernandez, uh, we have some of the best analysts in baseball in New York. Yeah. Um, I, feel like, I feel like generations of young fans who are watching can learn a lot by listening to those guys and the stories that they tell, both yeah. as a player and, and, and in retirement. I think, I think all those guys really kind of spoil us in New York. Yeah, yeah. great. For sure. Yep. Reggie Johnson, and, and that medium reminds me of our Walter Ray Williams. Yeah. That same when you he's tough to pull out. Yeah. Just, yeah. That same demeanor. Yeah. Uh, some and guys great athletes. Yeah. Just, but they're not comfortable. No. Yeah. Speaking with the media, I, I do remember that Johnson. I think he he like took his 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 hand was like a mitt, and he was like, "Don't talk back to me." And he pushed the camera. <laughs> pushed the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my God, this guy's gonna wear the pinstripes now." Here, here we go. You know, and he wasn't a shell of the pitcher that. That we thought we were going to get, he was okay. But he, I think, just he right. was so. To Peter's point, he was so uncomfortable in the in the whole everything. Yeah, you know, yeah. he just never really materialized here. Yeah. Well, he went from being the big the big fish, yeah, the little pond to the, the little fish in this yeah. big pond. He was and, a big fish, all right. And, and yeah. forget about the fact, great athlete, but totally different just environment. Yeah. The whole environment and the media and there is were, there were, I'm sure, and I'm sure Peter can attest to this. There are athletes that just don't thrive. In this atmosphere, it's being in a fishbowl. Yeah, you're constantly, and it's not just you know, it's not just you're on field. It's everything you do. Where are you eating dinner? And it's just a lot. Yeah, playing in New York is a lot, and you make a little mistake in a game, and you know you have uh, fifty thousand critics in the stands. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Right. Another example of that for what you know for whatever reason, Sonny Gray didn't work out here either. He was an all star in Oakland. Yeah, and he had a great year last year in Cincinnati when he got out of New York. He just wasn't comfortable here either, and you could tell. And you know, he got he got defensive sometimes with the media, and and um, you know, and just it just kind of translated to to what he was doing on the mound. And and uh, sometimes guys just it just for whatever reason they're not made for this town. There are some small town guys, somebody like a Don Mattingly who loved New York. You know right. what I mean? Who who were were like a perfect fit for this town. Um, it's all, I guess it's all about your personality, uh, you know, more so than where you come from, but sometimes guys just aren't ready, ready to handle everything that comes with being a player in New York. You're not just a baseball player here. There's a lot of other components to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So Peter, how, how would you, um, how would you rate the Yankee managers for the last 25 years or so? How would you say it, it was going from like Tory to Girardi who seemed, he always seemed a little bit more like tense Girardi, a little uptight <laughs> to a guy like Boone, who reminds me more of like a, you know, a Tory type. How, how, how do you feel on that? Yeah, it's hard to compare anybody to Joe Tory when it comes to dealing yeah. with all the pressures of the job. He was able to deflect George Steinbrenner when George was still in his heyday. And, um, you know, Joe had the Joe was just the right fit at the right time. I mean, Joe had people forget, you know, Joe had failed in other places. He was a manager of the Mets. 
Um, you know, he was manager of the Cardinals. Um, you know, obviously the Braves, he had a little success, made the playoffs. Um, but, you know, he had, you know, the back page, I was at the Daily News at the time when he got hired, and the back page was Clueless Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, more more so like <clears throat> saying that Joe didn't know what he was getting himself into. Right. You know, but Joe, but Joe knew fully well what he was getting himself to, into, and he was able to handle that so well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Joe Girardi was more, certainly more high strung than Joe. Joe was, uh, <clears throat> Joe Torrey was more laid back and, and kind of let everything kind of roll off his shoulders. But Joe Girardi was definitely more intense. Yeah. And I think, well, I think Cashman and, and Hal Steinbrenner wanted that when they were, when they finally decided to replace Joe Torrey, they wanted somebody more high strung. But usually in those cases, those kind of managers wear out their welcome at some point. I mean, Joe Girardi did last, you know, 10 years with the team. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, back in the old days of when, you know, when George Steinbrenner was hiring and firing Billy Martin five times, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Girardi might not have lasted as long as he did. Um, you know, they didn't, you know, uh, they didn't even make the playoffs in his first season. Um, so, you know, th- there's uh, Boone is, I would say Boone is definitely more like Tory than he is Girardi. Yeah. Um, but you know, unlike those guys, Boone now is on the clock. Boone has to win a World Series at some point in the next several years. I mean, I don't right. know if they're, you know, who knows what what becomes of this season uh, right. with the coronavirus outbreak. But um, you know, Boone is on the clock because they have everything. They went out and they they spent three hundred twenty four million dollars on Garrett Cole. Yes, they um, did. You know, they have all these young players. So now it's up to Boone. I know they won a hundred games in each of his first couple of seasons, but right. now it's up to him to get to the World Series and win it. Yeah. That's right. It's so, the old, yep. so what do you think about the plans uh, or the proposed plans for the upcoming baseball season? Look, I think they're just, I think they're really just kind of spitballing and throwing, throwing ideas out there right now. I, I think we're still a little bit of ways away from, from getting both sides to agree to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, ha- I think they have to be smart with this. I think the no fans thing is a must right now in New York. I know it's not, I know it's not what people want to hear, but I think that's, I think that's the way they have to start it out and see see how it goes. I mean, I know they wanna they wanna get the season going. They want the, the MLB and the owners want their TV money. They don't want to scrap the whole season. Right. You know, I, I do believe that they want to do it for America. They want to they want to have a product out there. They want to play. Um, but again, they have to they have to come to an agreement on some of these kind of smaller ideas of <clears throat> whether they're going to play in the homes in the home cities, whether they're going to quarantine the players in uh, you know, cities like Arizona or Florida. Um, so they, and then there's a lot of small things that, that you see coming out now about, you know, no hot fives, no shaking hands. I mean, to me, that's not a huge deal, but it's going to make the game, it's going to make the game look very different, right. you know, from what we, from what we're accustomed to seeing. And I think fans are going to have to be patient and, and understanding of that. I mean, I know there's a lot of kind of two sides of the, of the fence here. Some, some people believe we should just open everything up full bore and, and, get back to normal, but I think we kind of have to ease into it, especially in New York. I, I, I don't think we can just open it up and take a chance that it's, that this thing is going to explode again. Yeah. Um, so I think the smartest thing for them to do is kind of ease into it. But I do believe that they are, that they, you know, they have to have a plan in place that when, when the determination is made that, that they can restart, that they're ready to go. Right. Yeah, that's true. So tell us a little bit about your new book, the big yeah. 50, big five Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was. Uh, it's a series of books by Triumph Books. Um, they uh, that they that they've done with other teams. Obviously, when you do a, a fifty men and moments that made a team like the New York Yankees, the hardest part, the most challenging part, was narrowing it down to fifty. 
I think there are some teams in other right. sports and in baseball that you'd have to stretch it out really to to legitimately get to 50 moments or 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 few or uh, characters in the, in that in that franchise's history. But the Yankees obviously have won 27 World Series. They've you know they have countless uh, Hall of Famers and great moments, perfect games, a perfect game in the World Series. Roger Maris is 61 home runs. Uh, so there's a lot of it was the hardest part was narrowing it down. Um, I initially had made a list. I probably had over a hundred names and and moments on the list that I wanted to that I wanted to make its own chapter. Um, but I, I at some point I decided, look, I have the, the only way to pare this down is to say put all Babe Ruth's moments into one chapter, put all of Jeter's moments into one chapter, right. combine some of the championship seasons. I couldn't do a separate. Uh, chapter on each of the championship seasons. So, for instance, like 1943 to 1949 to 1953, they won five championships in a row. So, I made that one chapter and kind of talked about those teams in that chapter. It was most of the same guys were on those teams. I think there was like I think at least half the team was on was on the was on the roster for all five of those championships. So, I That's made right. that all one chapter. Yeah. Um, and then I got into you know, you had the the big ones, obviously Ruth and Gehrig are one and two, and then I made George Steinbrenner number three ahead of DiMaggio and Mantle, only because I thought that George was such a huge figure in the franchise for almost forty years, and I wanted to I wanted to make the note of of having him really high up, and especially otherwise otherwise the the book is is all the beginning of the book is all based on the nineteen twenties and thirties and forties, so I wanted somebody recent in there, and then I have. DiMaggio and Mantle after him, and then I get into Yogi and and then Cheater and Mariano, and then I start getting into the moments like Larson's perfect game, Reggie's three homers in the 77 World Series, um, uh, Maris is 61 and 61, and then we go from there. Um, I will say the one fun kind of labor of love uh, chapter that I told myself in the beginning I wanted to include was a chapter on uh, the Yankees' involvement in the Seinfeld show and uh, and uh, the George Costanza character in particular. Yeah. And when I when I did the when I did the when I set out to do it, I wasn't certainly wasn't expecting to speak to Larry David for it, but I ended up getting him on the phone for about an hour. And it was just it was a lot of fun kind of going through the machinations of of him and Jerry Seinfeld having to kind of get approval from George Steinbrenner to use his name in the Yankee brand and then and then really uh you know taking it to the millionth degree in terms of the character of Steinbrenner that they do on the show, um, you know, and so I talked to George's family about it. I talked to Hal Steinbrenner about it. I found an old interview of George from the New York Times in the in the 90s where he didn't know, he said he didn't know much about the show, but his grandchildren were huge fans of the show and they kind of convinced him to do it. Um, he said that one of his grandchildren said to him that it was cooler that he was on Seinfeld than owning the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so that was that was definitely a fun chapter. So I, I feel like I've covered in the book um, pretty much everything of the last century, from the trade of Babe Ruth to 1920 to this. The chapter 50 is the Baby Bombers. It's 2020, and it kind of looks ahead to where this young group needs to get to cement their place in Yankee history, which obviously there's so much of. Nice. So what would have been number 51 that was a hard <laughs> decision to kind of, uh, it's not going to fit in. It's true. I get, I get asked that a lot. And I, and I, I tried to incorporate some of the names that I left out into chapters of certain world series years and things like that. Um, but there are some hall of famers that played for the Yankees that don't get their own chapters and really don't get a lot of mention in the book guys. Like, 
you know, Earl Combs from those 20s teams and Joe Gordon and sure. uh, Johnny Mize from the 50s and, and um, you know, even somebody like Mike Mussina in the 2000s, um, you know, these are Hall of Fame players, you know, who had great, great careers with the Yankees, but there just wasn't enough players like Dave Winfield was another one. Um, right. There's a lot of great players that when it comes to the Yankees, I probably could have I probably could have done 500 chapters easily if I wanted to, yeah. if I separated everything. And and um, so, yeah, I mean, those are the those are the kind of people um, that I wish I could have gotten to, like, say, like, not to denigrate another team, but they sent me an example of the big 50 book that was done about the Minnesota Twins a few years ago. And like the person who's like number 30 for the Minnesota Twins wouldn't be in the top 500 for the Yankees. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, sure. it's, so it becomes so that was the probably the hardest part of it. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just the way it goes. And like I said, I tried to incorporate something about those players in the chapters of the of the errors that I was writing about. Yeah. So you get to tell a lot of stories within that. And of course, the stories that you don't get to. Uh, who's the one per and I'm, I'm sure this is a question you've been asked a lot. But who's the one person you would have loved to interview in your career that you would yeah. you just would never had would have never had the opportunity to because they were before your time? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know the old the the middle range guys like DiMaggio and Mantle and Yogi obviously were around a lot at old timers days and whatever. So I mean I would say the answer to that is Ruth. I mean Ruth was the, you know the really the first kind of national sports star in this country. Uh, I mean there's obviously so much has been written about Babe Ruth that it wasn't it was kind of hard to break any new ground there. But I was fascinated just by the personality uh, of the guy and. You know, I have so many questions uh, just about, you know, his off-field life. I mean, that that kind of stuff was really like taboo back in those days, even through the 60s, you know, until Jim Bouton's Ball 4 book came out about the Mantle teams. Uh, you know, you didn't talk about players' personal lives. There was no page six. There was no, you know, stuff like that. Uh, there was no TMZ. So I, I think I think, I think think a player like Ruth would, to me, would be the fascinating one. And obviously his teammate, Lou Gehrig, for opposite reasons. Um, just one of the one of the saddest, you know, most poignant baseball stories ever. Um, you know, I would have loved to have, have gotten to, you know, had the, I had the opportunity to, to speak to him at some point. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So in your book, Peter, I I, uh, I heard something about you have a little piece of um, one of our Yankee fans uh, who's a famous actor from a Bronx tale, our friend Chaz Palminteri. <laughs> I heard he had a little blurb in there, too. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I I. Like I was saying, you know, there's not a lot of people alive anymore that you can talk to who were teammates, really, with some of those older players, you know, right. in the 50s, uh, you know. So I, I knew Chaz was a huge fan of Mickey Mantle's. He obviously had the scene in A Bronx Tale where yeah. Sonny, the mob guy, tells him, you know, Mickey Mantle doesn't care about you, you know, why are you crying over it, whatever. So I wanted to talk to him about that. And then I got in a conversation with I got him on the phone and I, and I had this long conversation with him. And he's just such a diehard Yankee fan to this day. Yep. Um, you know, to the point where like he's he says, you know, my wife says I'm nuts. I want to be buried in a pinstripe coffin and <laughs> things like that. Um, but, you know, he, he told me some great stories. You know, his dad was first generation Italian-American, was a huge was a became a Yankee fan because of DiMaggio. Right. Like a lot of a lot of people of that of that era. Um, you know, my dad was the same. My dad grew up in Brooklyn. He was a Dodger fan, but he was also a huge he just revered DiMaggio. And I think a lot of first, first and second generation Italian Americans felt that way. Yeah. Um, so that's how Chaz became a Yankee fan. And then his generation was, you know, the mantle, the mantle bearer, yeah, uh, Maris years. Um, but he stuck with them all the way through. And, you know, he was telling me stories about going crazy on the Aaron Boone night against the Red Sox and, 
Um, just even to this day, he can he can recite all the you know all the prospects in the system. He knows everything about the team. Um, he also told me a fun story. Um, you know, when he used to come to the, to the old stadium with his dad when he was a kid, they would sit way up in the upper deck in the nosebleed seats, kind of like uh, the scene in A Bronx Tale where him and his dad are sitting at the fights and they're all the way up top and they try to the, the Sonny tries to get them to go down uh, to the lower you know ringside. Right. Yeah. Um, so he says, like, now that I can afford the seats right behind home plate below the moat, um, he makes you know he says that he he and his son now will walk up to the upper deck and find a father with his son or daughter and tell them about how he used to sit there when he was a kid and even though it's a new stadium uh, and he'd give them he'd give them he'll give them uh, an autographed baseball um you know he does he says he does that every time he goes to a game now in the Bronx that's really cool yeah you know what um as all of our friends here say I'm I'm the fountain of useless information <laughs> I have some information about our franchise that I don't think I don't think some of my friends know but I don't think a lot of my friends know my sister-in-law married to my oldest brother, used to date Chaz back in the 70s. And I want to say late 70s, maybe mid to late 70s. And they sang in a wedding band together up in the Bronx. Chaz was a singer. The name of the band was Razma Chaz. And <laughs> Chaz and my sister-in-law, Jeannie, were an item for quite a while. And then uh, I don't know what happened. I guess my good-looking brother got in the way, and uh, you know, and now she's married to my brother. But yeah, so it is an interesting t tidbit. But and I've been to his restaurant twice, both times. I wanted to just kind of say, "Hey, Chaz, my name's Joe Calandrillo. Bop, bop, bop. Let's sit down, and talk about the Yankees." He's never there. <laughs> I went and he's never there. So may maybe one of these days I'll catch him. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's still a working actor. He was just on, you know, he used to have uh, guest spots recently on Modern Family. I know maybe some younger yeah. fans remember him from that. Um, and he's got his his one man play, although it's not, it's obviously been shut down right now. But uh, he has that that he's doing that uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he was a great guy, and he's a huge Yankee fan. And uh, I was, you know, I'm really happy that he agreed to uh, to write the forward. He and Bernie Williams wrote the forwards for the yeah. for the book, uh -huh. and uh, I really feel like it adds a lot to the book to have their voices in, in it. That's really cool. He seems like a regular guy you want to just sit down and have a drink with, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Joe has a nice question there. Now, you want to ask the Joe Laverty uh, so question? So what sports writer or uh, editor influenced your career the most? And you can't from say Joe Laverty. Oh, so I guess I, I can't. So Joe's watching. I can't say Joe. Joe was one of my first editors at The Post when I, when I got hired there in 1990. Um, and he was a great editor and still a great friend to this day. Um, you know, my first editor at the New York Post, his name was Bob Decker. He hired me, took a chance on me. Um, I got hired initially um, to to be what's called an AGA clerk. You know, like the pages that have the standings and the box scores and all the stats. Uh, that's that was my job. I would answer phones and take high school scores. Um, um, so Bob was one of the first people that gave me the chance. His successor uh, after we after we had went on strike at the Post in the early 90s. Um, his successor was uh, Greg Gallo. He gave me my first full-time writing gig covering. Uh, first, I was covering high schools. I covered like Felipe Lopez and Stefan Marbury when they were playing in, uh, in uh, New York high schools. Um, and then I got promoted to the Islander beat in 1994. And uh, Greg Gallo gave me that chance. So I, I, I owe him a, a great uh, debt of gratitude. Um, from the writer side, I mean, I will say that uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I grew up in the same town as uh, Frank Isola. I don't know if you know him. He, Cover the Knicks we use for the Daily News and uh, now is at ESPN, uh, wrote for The Athletic for a while. Uh, so we grew up in the same town. I was the same age as his brother. 
grew up playing soccer together. And uh, Frank actually got me my interview at the Post in 1990 when I first got out of college. Um, I've known him forever. Um, and then when he went to the Daily News in, in like 94, a few years after that, he also got me, helped get me uh, hired at the Daily News in 97. And then I was there for 20 years. So believe me, Frank reminds me of it every day. And I, and I, um, and I would definitely have to give him the shout out as the writer that probably had the most influence on my career. That's really cool. That's really cool. So outside of the book and the stories that you get to tell within that, uh, what would you say was your uh, favorite story to write uh, that told a, a great story, whether it was, an, it may not even have to be a, of an athlete, of just something that happened in our history that you, that you penned uh, that you'd say was your most memorable? I mean, there were some cool ones. I've covered six no-hitters, perfect, uh, two perfect games. I covered uh, Roy Halladay's no-hitter in the playoffs against for the Phillies against the Reds. Um, but there were ones like um, – there were some nights that were and games to be at that were just so much fun. I mean, the um, there was a brawl two days after David Wells' perfect game uh, in 1998 in which Tino Martinez got drilled in the back yeah. by Mondo Benitez. It was one of the craziest fights Yep. I've ever been a part of, and guys were still seething after the game. I remember that very vividly. Um, the other one that really stands out to me, even though they lost this World Series, was the 2001 World Series, games four and game five um, of that series. Uh, the home runs by Tino and Brocious in the ninth inning uh, to tie those two games against the Diamondbacks. Yep. Never felt anything like that at the stadium. It was obviously barely a month after 9-11. Um, you know, we had had uh, President Bush throughout the first pitch before the, the first home game of that series. Yeah. Um, and it was just such a different feeling that entire fall, that entire October. And yeah. those two nights were different than any other nights I ever experienced at the stadium. It literally felt like the stadium was going to fall down on those, in, in the ninth inning of this, those two games. Obviously, Jeter won the first night with a with a walk-off home run, uh, Mr. November. Mr. November. Um, and, um, you know, I would say those two nights, because of their historical impact, even though, like I said, even though the Yankees didn't go on to win that World Series, they lost in Game 7 in Arizona, um, those two nights stand out to me the most. You know, several players that I talked to for the book actually said that that's the most memorable World Series for them, um, even though they lost. I mean, I know, you know, fans probably want to hear them talking about 98 and 99 and 2000 against the Mets. But that 2001 World, that 2001 World Series, and everything leading up to it, them visiting firehouses and the, you know, the shutdown yeah. for a couple of weeks, sure, um, it meant so much to all of them that I think a lot of them still view that as the as the most memorable World Series for them, and, and for me, definitely, that's definitely right up there in terms of my memories of things that I covered. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people forget that role players are they're people too, yeah. so there are so many emotions tied into it besides just win or loss. I mean, I remember I was at the game where Mike Piazza hit the home run. Oh, God. And it, it was like you said, it felt like the stadium yeah. was going oh, to collapse. <laughs> yeah. Because it yeah. was a collective, you know, everybody was in the same place yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And the players, I mean, it, it, it's, it really is a different moment yeah. that you can't, and not to take anything away from right, of course, winning absolutely, the World Series, absolutely, yeah. But just that the emotion, connection, and that emotion. That's yeah. An interesting, yeah, interesting t tidbit. There, <laughs> there we go. I have an interesting <laughs> tidbit for you oh, oh, too. Okay, he hit that home run off a of New Yorker piazza. He hit it yeah. off a of car say. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So just a little, just more 
useless information that I seem to be full of these last couple of weeks. <laughs> right. Like I remember uh, speaking to Chipper Jones years later and, and uh, you know, I know he was kind of vilified by Met fans. Um, but I, I, I mean, I feel like they should really appreciate the career that he had and the fact that he embraced being the villain oh, yeah. you know, against, against the Mets. But he was in left field that night and watched that ball go out. And he said that he actually thought that that was the right ending to that game. Yep. That as much as the Braves wanted to win, they knew that right. they were kind of the, you know, the secondary, uh, you know, figures of, of that of that moment. Yep. And he said that that was the Piazza home run gave him chills. And, and uh, you know, he said that he's always maintained that that was the right ending to that night. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was. I mean, I'm not a Mets fan, but even I was like, wow, that's uh, that was so cool. Yeah. It re really was just for the whole New York thing and the 9-11. And yeah. that was a terrific moment. It was. Peter, what was your um? What's your take on the stadium from 1976 until 2008? And what's your take on the current stadium? Me personally, I like the older stadium better. To me, that's where the ghosts were, and just more <laughs> of a feel, you know. Right, mystique and aura, like uh, Kurt Schilling yeah. said back in the day, right? So, um, yeah, I mean the the Yankee, the old Yankee Stadium had certainly the character and the history. Um, that you want, and it's the the new the new stadium obviously only has the, only has the one World Series so far. But I feel like the atmosphere has definitely changed uh, since they went across the street. Um, I feel like they haven't been able to to replicate that. A lot of that is the fact that they haven't had the success that they did in the old stadium. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, you, you mentioned the ghosts, and you know, there's the there were the monuments. I know they moved them across the street, but it just it doesn't feel the same. The the new one just seems more antiseptic and and you know, kind of this monolithic. Uh, structure, whereas the Yan Yankee Stadium seemed to have its own personality and persona um, that you know fans adored and players players noted was there was definitely a difference in the old stadium. Um, you could just feel it on certain nights, and a lot of it was because maybe like we're talking about how it felt like the stadium was going to fall down. I mean, structurally there were some flaws to it, and, <laughs> and, right? And and um, you know, so I definitely feel like all the winning that was done there definitely you know added to the mystique of the place and um you know and the fact that people were you know were complaining about the bronx and different things and there were stretches where people weren't going to the stadium I and mean, you look at the when roger maris hit the home run in 61 the bleachers are empty yes yeah um, you know so there you know there were times where people didn't want to go to the bronx or whatever but the yankees in the in the 90s kind of brought that back and and that era of yankee baseball i feel like shouldn't get short shrift when it gets compared to the 20s and the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s because to me that those Yankees uh, teams of the 90s having to win three playoff rounds every year um, they don't they should get far more credit than they did because I don't think you're going to see a team win four out of five again I, we ha you haven't even seen a team repeat in a long time so um, you know and, and people forget that they could have won five out of six if not for as we talked about before the, the game seven with Mariano of all people on the hill to lose that game to the Diamondbacks. I mean, they could have won five in, in six years, which just is a an amazing feat when you think about it. Um, those teams should get all the credit, as much credit as any team in Yankee history, in my opinion. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Mo handled that like a pro, too. When the game ended, he sat by his locker. I remember, the, you know, he was like, listen, I threw the pitch. It's on me because there was some talk about, well, the infield was in, and if Jeter was playing back at regular depth, he said, listen, he said, I'm the guy that had the ball in my hand. Credit them. He said, I, I, I made a good pitch. Gonzalez hit a tough pitch. And credit to them. He said, I'm not – listen, it was their day. So Yeah, I mean, it was a broken bat single that barely got over the joint in infield, right? right. So if, 
if Jeter was playing, if Jeter was playing two steps back, he probably catches that ball. Yeah, you know, and and you know who knows what happens from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mariano was always such a stand-up guy, and and uh, yeah. you know, I was very happy to see uh, as much as I I don't I, I still would love to know the one person who didn't vote for Jeter for the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> I was very happy to see that Mariano got unanimous because I think it was well deserved. Yes. Um, he's the greatest to ever do that job. I know you know people like Goose Gossage disagree about the definition of the job and things like that. You right. know, from when he was pitching. But Mariano to me is is the best to ever do it, and he if anybody was going to get the 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 first perfect score, um, it should have been him. I mean, obviously there were guys before him that should have got it. It's a ridiculous notion that some players before Mariano didn't get 100 percent of the vote. Um, you know, even a couple of years before that, like Griffey and Greg Maddox and people like that. It's just shocking. Yeah. Um, but Mariano certainly was deserving of it, and I'm glad that he got it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Including, uh, and it's funny because there, there was the big debate. There was the one writer mm. who was very vocal about, no, uh, you know, he, yeah. it shouldn't be unanimous. It, it, and, but then he, in the end, flipped the vote. Yeah. You know, flipped his vote. And so it, it, it's, it's got its own history. Yeah. And to, to your point, to think that's the first time that happens is, is, is a little crazy. Think about yeah. the names. Uh, yeah. 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 And even though, moving forward, there's always going to be somebody in that position. And, yeah. but I think it goes back to, I think his argument, right, was the, definition of the closer and the job that they did and, and why he but it eventually flipped his vote yeah right i mean the yankees don't win those world series in my opinion without mariano he's the most indispensable player on those world series teams Absolutely. Um, not to take anything away from any of the other guys uh but mariano was the difference maker in those series oh, yeah. um you could make the case that he could have been the mvp of every one of those world series that that he pitched in um you know, so to me, he's the he's the difference maker, and he's the he was the right guy, I think, to get the to get the hundred percent of the vote. And I don't know if we're going to see another one, maybe until like Mike Trout shows up. Like I don't think there's going to be another one because there's a lot of guys that are different, you know, issues with PEDs, whatever your feeling is on that. So right. you know, like somebody like A Rod certainly not getting. I don't think he's even getting in. If you based on based on Bonds and Clemens not getting in so far, um, so I feel like uh, I feel like maybe the next guy will be Mike Trout, maybe Pujols, somebody like that. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that Jeter didn't get in leads me to believe that there might be somebody who leave, leaves those guys off as well. So, you know, Mariano, it's it's not a – it shouldn't be a, an insult to Derek Jeter, right, to be second all time <laughs> right. to, his, to his close friend and teammate Mariano in the in the voting. Um, but, I, but I feel like if you're going to not vote for Derek Jeter for the Hall of Fame, you should come out and be, explain why. You know, you shouldn't be able to hide behind anonymity in that situation. I agree. Um, I, I've said all along that I feel like, look, we, we're very honored to to vote and be included in the process, but you should be you should be ready and willing and and to you know to explain why you're a yes or a no on any person on your ballot. And if you're going to be the only person to not vote for Derek Jeter, you should come out and say why. Yeah, that's a great point. I you agree. Know, and the thing about Mariano is, even when he wasn't in the game. He was there was always the threat of Mariano, yeah. like it, like a, like a power hitter. Yeah. Right. It was, you know, you're always worried about the cleanup hitter. Well, it was always like, well, Mariano is going to pitch, and then you know, let's get our runs in because once he's in, you know, we're not going to score. So it was even the threat of him that I felt yes, was absolutely, imposing. Yes. absolutely. He can get up at any time. That bullpen phone rang. Yeah. And he's taking a jacket off and he's warming up. And then it's like, good night. One of my favorite over. songs. Yeah, it's a Sandman. <laughs> Terry, Terry Francona told me a funny story for the book. He's, he said, he goes, uh, he goes, every time I heard that freaking song, I knew we were dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the Red Sox, you know, the Red Sox actually, actually came back twice on him in the playoffs. 
Yes. Um, in in two thousand in two thousand and four. So um, yeah. you know they, they're one of the teams that actually had some some October success against him. But I yeah. thought it was funny that Francona had such respect uh, for Mariano, and he said had said similar things about Jeter. Like you know, it's good to see between you know such an intense rivalry that there was also such respect between those teams. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely. amazing. Yeah, I mean, that, in that two thousand four, Peter. It's if you really think about it, the Yankees were a few outs away from sweeping that series, yep. right? And yep. a, a stolen yep. base by Dave Roberts changed everything. Yeah, absolutely, entire around. series around. Yeah. And as a Yankee fan, I'm gonna say, and if my Yankee fan friends out there get a little mad at me, I'm sorry. But <laughs> that night when Game Seven started, I said, "There's no way the Yankees are winning this game." And I never <laughs> give up on a game. But you're running. Guys like Javi Vasquez and Kevin Brown out there. I mean, I know that's who they had, and that's who they had to pitch. But, I mean, talk about you were up 3-0 on a few outs away from sweeping that series. And the Red Sox come charging back from Big Poppy and Roberts right. and Millar. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, there's no way they're winning this game tonight. I just had a bad feeling. And you know? I was up there. I was up there at Fenway for those games. And, you know, they won game three, 19-8. Yes. And then the next, and then the next night got rained out. Yes. Um, so, so – it gave it gave the Red Sox kind of two days to recover, mm -hmm. and then you know they fell behind in Game Four, and then as you mentioned, the Roberts stolen base kind of altered history there, and then Schilling pitches that Game Six in uh, in New York. Uh, it just it, it did it, it felt kind of fade complete. You knew that they. I, I felt like the Yankees were going to lose that Game Seven, right? Damon hits a grand slam uh, into the into the seats in right, and and, and off the Red Sox go. Um, you know, and I, I went to school in Boston, and I and I, I have a lot of friends from there, so. I say to them all the time, I said, you know, can you believe that they've won as many World Series now as they have um, after, you know, these 86 years of suffering? I, I know Red Sox fans actually, you know, some of them that I know are, are miss the fact that they were able to complain all the time and able to <laughs> commiserate in that sort of misery. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, they, they've, uh, they've done a phenomenal job. It's hard to believe that, that they've won the World Series four times, in, you know, since then. Yeah. Um, but uh you know, I, like I said, I went to school. I went to school up there, and have a lot of friends, and I'm happy for them. I, I, you know, it's it's not something that, you know, I'm not I'm not huge into the New York Boston rivalry. Like I said before, like I said earlier, I grew up a Mets fan, so I I, I don't kind of have the hatred. You know, the, the Mets. I, I my freshman year of college was '86. Huh. To be in to be in Boston in the dorms in Boston <laughs> at, at, at BU, surrounded by Boston people, uh, when the ball went through Buckner's legs, was an amazing night. And, uh, <laughs> and wow. uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, that that series, that series was amazing. My son was 12 years old and was at the game with his mom, uh, game seven. And I said to him, I said, look, I said, as, as many of the World Series games that you've been to, you know, he got to go to a lot of games. I got to buy tickets, you know, through the team. Um, I said that this is this one is history like this one. The fact that they came back from 3-0 and beat the Yankees like. You'll, even if it's a negative memory, you're always you're never going to forget being at this game, right. um, and the fact that they went on to to end the curse of the Bambino uh, a couple of weeks later. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I that obviously wasn't one of the 50 greatest moments in Yankee history, though. Yeah, not. No, 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 no. That's probably the top worst. And moment. that won't be on Yankee Classics. That won't either. be on Yankee Classics. No, for sure it won't be. No, no. So Peter, what what's your um? There's a question here from our friend John Wilders down in Florida. And Who's playing golf right now? Yeah, John had to rub it in. Thanks, John, with the golf. Thanks. Um. So what's your take on um two of our favorite guys to ever play first base here in this city, Keith Hernandez and Donnie Baseball? Should those guys be in the Hall of Fame, in your opinion? 
I, I'm kind of conflicted on it. Um, I, I Hernandez was off the ballot before I started voting. Okay. Um, Mattingly was on for a few years uh, towards, uh, you know, in my first few years uh, on uh, as a as a voting member, and I did not vote for him. I was I just always felt like his his um, his his peak his his amount of great seasons was just too short. Um, look, he was the best he was the best hitter in baseball for four or five years in the mid eighties. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, but I just felt like, and it stinks that the, that it, that the back injuries kind of zapped, uh, you know, zapped his power and took away from his his greatness. But um, I just felt like he fell short in the overall numbers. Um, but I, as I think about it more now, and I I think he has a shot on the veterans committee. I think there are players who appreciate the the what he brought on both sides of the ball, and I think Hernandez is the same. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not there was not a better defensive first baseman in my lifetime than Keith Hernandez. I couldn't imagine anyone before him being better. Right. Um, and he was a perennial 300 hitter. He, you know, he he, you know, was a clutch hitter. I think he led the league in game winning RBIs a few times in the 80s. Um, so, I mean, I think you can make a case for both of those guys. The funny thing is, like, I vote. Um, I, 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 I've kind of changed my voting the last couple of years. I've kind of leaned towards guys maybe who don't have great offensive numbers, but were great defensively. Um, like I, I started voting last year for both Omar Vizquel and for uh, Andrew Jones, who I felt were the two best players at their positions in my lifetime um, defensively. And so I vote for those. I think maybe now if they were on the ballot, I would strongly consider Hernandez and Mattingly uh, right. for that reason. I, I think they're both I think they both have a shot on the Veterans Committee. They put in Ted Simmons this year. I, I think another guy who was overlooked uh, for a great hitting career that he had as a catcher. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was overshadowed by guys like Johnny Bench and even Gary Carter. Um, but, um, but yeah, I do. I, I think that Hernandez and Mattingly now have a shot. And I, I think I would reconsider them strongly now if they were on the ballot again um, because of kind of shifted my own voting. One other guy that I think I think should get put in by the Veterans Committee, I'm surprised he didn't do better last year, was Thurman Munson. I, I feel I just... I, 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 look, I wasn't a Yankee fan growing up, but I always respected Munson just because of how hard he played. My dad would say to me, watch this guy, watch this guy, watch this guy, you know, how, how hard nosed he is, how he stays in there and yeah. takes a hit from a runner coming in and yeah. his throw, you know, his throwing ability, clutch hits, everything. Like for me, like, you know, his, his life being shortened by a tragic event shouldn't take away from the fact that for me, he was a better all around player than Carl, Carlton Fisk, who was in the hall of fame, a contemporary of his, I agree. So my feeling is Munson should be in the Hall of Fame, and I really hope the Veterans Committee, uh, Committee corrects that at some point in the coming years. I hope so, too, Pete. That's a great point because I, I think Fisk is in because he had a great career. But look he, had at longe- he had the longevity, right? Right, exactly right. Yeah, so, yeah, Thur- Thurman should be in for sure. But the Veterans Committee now is a nice thing. Maybe in due time they do get in, you know? I think it would be nice. Yep, it would be. Everybody, everybody should get their their proper due. Yes, uh, right. certainly. If review, right. if it's at least right, at least review it. Right. At least give them the opportunity to oh. say, "Hey, here's a shot to get that proper recognition." Absolutely. And I mean, everybody thinks they belong in the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody believes they're deserving of it. Uh, but this is the pinnacle right. of of your career, and so yeah, not everybody is worthy. But no. when you look back, hey, wait a second. Yeah. And you can't Monday night quarterback the decisions that were made. Right. But you have to have, re- and you have to have respect for it. Yeah. Which is why I like the veterans committee thing. Right. To your yeah, point, for sure. it gives it gives you another opportunity to say, Hey, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for sure. sure. My one, my one issue with the veterans committee, I will say is there's kind of sometimes some cronyism going on. Like, 
Um, they put their friends in. Like I was not a big fan of Harold Baines getting in the Hall of Fame. I know he had a he had a fine career, but you know he never. To me, he was never a Hall of Fame player. Um, and the Veterans Co Committee was led by you know a couple of his former managers and teammates, mm -hmm. and, that, and right. that's how he got in. Um, I, I felt like there were far there were people far uh, a lot a lot of people far more deserving on that Veterans Committee yeah. ballot than than him, who should have gotten in in ahead of him. Um, I feel like if you let him in, it kind of opens the door. And we talk about the Hall of Fame being kind of watered down to the Hall of Very Good. You see that even like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gets kind of watered down um, as they let in just so many bands and acts um, that it kind of loses some of the prestige when you you know when you take away from it when you put in you know players that are maybe a notch below some of these all-time greats. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Uh, well said. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's it just always going to be that. Is always going to be someone. Yeah. The the pebble in the shoe. The pebble Joe. in the shoe. The pebble <laughs> in the shoe. Yep, that's true. Peter, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, with us today. What, hey, and I do want you to share your your book uh, is available. Where is the best outlet for folks to pick up the book? Well, I mean, uh, the, the hardest thing is, is uh, when you write a book is to not be able to see it on the shelves in the bookstores, right? Uh, not yeah. be able to. Oh, yeah. bookstores. Um, but yeah, it's available anywhere online that you can buy books. It's available at Amazon. It's available at barnesandnoble.com. Uh, Target.com is selling it. Um, uh, the uh, My publisher, Triumph Books, is selling it directly at their website. Um, yeah. uh, any independent bookstores that are trying to kind of stay afloat, you maybe you could call them and, and they could get a copy for you, bring it outside to you, even if you're not allowed in the store. So um, there's definitely there's definitely ways to get it, um, you know, but all the major all the major websites have been selling it now for a while. It's been out since April 14th. Um, so uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, you know, being able to talk for a few minutes. Oh, yeah, great. thank you. It was great. That was great yeah, to no, talk th to you, yeah, Peter. Thank you. And I'm, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I am a baseball fan, so yep. uh, and I, I look forward to it. And I've read some snippets from what I've read online. I'm actually, I mean, I'm really intrigued. And I, I, love, the, I love the history of the game. And yeah, regardless, sure. and it's our city. Right. So regardless of what you believe, and I do, I'm, I'm a, I say it all the time. I do believe the Yankees and Steinbrenner changed the face of baseball oh, through did. many different yeah. ways of yeah. operations. And people, Absolutely. and too many people, you know, argue the other side. Oh, they killed baseball. You know what? No. I, I don't. I don't think so. And I think you could. And I think it was from, changed. Yeah, I mean, definitely. He certainly had changed the game. Ideas. Yep. He wanted to win, and he was gonna do what he could to win. Yeah, that's exactly what so, he did. You know. So it's that's sitting exactly in my cart. Uh, bookshop.org is, the, is yeah. the other uh, website we've been checking out uh, that helps uh, the independent uh, books bookshop. So it's going to be a Father's Day. Peter, gift. really, thank you so much again, <laughs> and uh, stay healthy. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Great talking to you, Peter. Thank you. I could talk to you for another hour about the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you guys have my numbers. If you have any questions, just shoot them over. We you definitely. Okay. You guys, you guys, you guys, stay safe and uh, and and be healthy. And like I said, I hope the book maybe can fill some of the void while we're all kind of waiting for baseball to come back. Amen. Yeah. Without, Amen. Without a doubt. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank, we'll you, talk to you, soon. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Have a great uh, have a great uh, day. Thank you. You Thank too. You. Bye, bye bye. Yep. Wow, that was cool. I, I could. I'm. We could go to like five o'clock. I could keep talking to him about the Yankees. And I so, said a little hockey. Yep. Something a little to share with you. A little tidbit. Oh, wait, okay. so now Nas has useless Nas, information. Nas has Nas, well, it's not useless, <laughs> okay, okay. but Matt Gonzalez, yeah. the oh. Curtis Bowling coach, yeah. was Sparky, the Islander Is that right? mascot Is that right? from about 2001 to about 2006. Are you kidding? I, what I think he was Sparky. 
Wow. Uh, you know what? I that's interesting. <laughs> think about his personality. Yeah. You know him, Matt Gonzalez, yeah. like Curtis Girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's kind of got that. That's I'll tell you what, he's a damn good skater because he used to <laughs> charge onto the ice in that outfit, the whole dragon thing or whatever, and skate across with the islander flag. I'm like, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, well, that's interesting. That's very nice. The first time he shared that. Very I, nice. I, and she didn't. She she goes. You have to tell Frankie this. <laughs> I just. Well, I didn't her. think coming from me anybody was going to believe it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got, we got a couple of friends that that uh, one of our bowling providers in Indiana. He he did that for a period of time in the co in college, and it just really again. But yeah. I will tell you, any costume you put on a costume, you're and, a different person. Oh yeah. And the best part is you even smile under the <laughs> costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Photos. Yeah. Remember um, Danny Harris? He used to bowl here. Yeah, yeah. Danny Harris. When when the Nets were in Jersey, you know, was, before uh, they came to Brooklyn years ago, like maybe late eighties, early nineties, he was the mascot. And I'm trying to yes. remember what the mascot for it the Nets, was. Uh, uh, but it was oh, it was Danny Harris. He was oh, the uh, oh, he was, was the mascot. Right the Nets, the Nets. Yeah, and he's still he's still with them, right? It was a he's with a he's with a was it Duncan? It was Duncan. There you go. Whoa, he was he was the mascot. And one of our former junior bowlers, Amanda Colangelo. Was one of the first scooters. Yes, really. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we got a lot of uh, yeah. got a lot of mascot. <laughs> a lot oh, of mascot yeah, yeah. information. All oh, right, they had the scooter. Uh, I don't know. Huck and oh, Huck. Right. Yes. And, uh, oh, that's right. Was that's Michelangelo's sister. Sin. Michelangelo's sister. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know the Michelangelo's. Absolutely. Yeah. For uh, sure. Joe could write a. a, a Joe could definitely write books. We're gonna have Joe start making notes. Yeah, little notes to make uh, to kind of compile them into a yeah into my own. Something. And we might have to Top Joe Laverty if he's still out there. We might need you to help yes. help uh, Joe Penn. Yeah, his, uh, his my book. own top fifty. I think it's. I think, <laughs> right? I think it's. I think something. I think that's probably not yeah, a bad maybe idea. something to do in my golden years once I retire from ABC. <laughs> Play a little golf if the courses ever open up. Then after <laughs> golf, go home. Have a bourbon, make my little notes, and my uh my... You know, once you start writing stuff down, you, yeah. you realize I mean you you say it about yourself all the time that you're a wealth of useless information. Useless information. But you know what? That's <laughs> stuff that stories yeah. that people like to hear. Yeah. So you know, once you start writing it, yeah, it just flow right out. Yeah, so I could have talked to him like I said, till dinner time tonight. He he was mentioned in the Joel when... Laverty Jr. says he's gonna help you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, oh, I look forward to Kevin, that as soon as I retire. Kevin's uh, obviously watching some golf right now. Good to see those. Yeah, I'm, oh, as soon as they're carrying their own stuff. No caddies allowed. And you know what? As soon as I leave here, Kevin, I yep, got my TV is on the too. golf channel already. So the when I put it on, it's boom, right on the golf channel. Yep. <laughs> I can't, it's on till six, so I got plenty of time. And you know what? We missed an opportunity because we were we were chatting, but at yep. two o'clock we were on time today. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we right. were on at two o'clock today. Check yep. it out. It's uh, and we're almost over. But Mich Michelle says I can go play golf with John Wilders. John, I'm I'm on the next flight. I'm coming down. <laughs> the only problem is the flight down there. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't fly anywhere. Yeah. If I was going to go anywhere, I would go someplace I could drive to. Yeah, we played the other day in because Jersey. I would, you played what? We played in Jersey the other day. Oh, that's right. You yeah, we play played at Pebble Creek. It was, I know. Uh, yeah, some yeah. of the Sean Hicks guys. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. The Sean Hicks guys went, and it's not you know. I would rather stay on the island, but <laughs> DJ know. forgot to carry his bag. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're spoiled. They usually have. You know some... what? I, I have to say that when we play, sometimes that I carry my bag. I'm looking forward to me. Too. Yeah. The only problem is when you carry back with the, the clubs. The clubs fall, fall out. out. Yeah, he hasn't figured it out yet. Obviously, and his brother is his caddy. 
John, Johnson's brother is his caddy, so oh, he really? definitely misses his brother. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to He misses his too. brother. Yeah, they got to carry their own clubs. They should have Kevin Rourke's electric cart. Push the button and the cart just goes for you with the clubs. I have That's my what head they need. Those. I never quite trusted yeah. it. Michelle said she'll drive. She'll drive you. All right. I, I actually don't have Anthony. Anthony and I were talking about this this morning. I don't have a problem flying. I flew right before this. Yeah. And it was the best experience ever. I wish people were afraid of flying more often. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure of it. And, but you know I what? I just don't like seeing the crowded. They were. They were not. Yeah. They were not crowded. They were clean. People. No, it's it just a different crowded, atmosphere. Agreed. Um, yeah. Agreed. And it's, sadly for the airline industry, that who's going to struggle for a while, time. this, this is, is going right. to be the repercussions. I feel from this period that they're going oh, yeah. through. Yeah. Oh, it's it, going to be long term. It's, yeah. it's going to be. It, I believe that it's going to be very cost prohibitive to fly. The only yeah, positive is that if they buy, because the way that they if purchase they gas, mm. they purchase gas so far in advance, so. By the oh, time, maybe it'll trickle forward. Well, it usually does. Maybe. It usually, yeah. if you ever have when you have those low gas periods, right. uh, cheap gas periods, uh, you wind up getting it. Wind, you have that right. six months to a yeah. year resi residual. So there, there are some things that are going to help. But to your point, it's going to be a, probably a little bit more expensive in the next six to twelve months. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, they're going to less flights available. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, just like everything else. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, hey, yes, yeah, it's going to be a change. I was my vacation was planned right before this. I was yeah, you leaving were... for vacation on March 24th, I believe. I and uh, yeah, it was going to be my first vacation in a couple in a of while. years. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we'll get there yeah, next. But yeah, it's going to yeah. happen. Eventually. Uh, you know, Eventually. It's going to happen. I'm looking forward to yeah. it, too. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, right. So, uh, so Brian wasn't with us yesterday. He watched later on and wants you to know, Joe, they're out, right? I told you it was all in good fun. It was all in good fun. I was only teasing. So That's okay. I don't have a, uh, an old Rabs photo for today, but I have an old photo. I mentioned it yesterday that I wanted okay. to share. So yesterday we were talking about uh, dressing when people were getting dressed in an era. Oh, yeah, yeah. To go out and just ties at a ball game. This yeah. is a little different. Okay. This is just. Uh, fits the bill. So this is from 1961. Oh, oh you pulled that one of the ones this is, in the box. Yeah, this is wow. from, this is at Bowling on the Green. Wow. Uh, well, those are actually costumes. Right. These are costumes. <laughs> so this here, Peggy Garbarino, right Di Capitelli, yep. Whitey Walls on the bottom right. Oh my god, yeah. Wow. Um this they were celebrating uh the century of Staten Island. Wow. So 1961, they had launched the January, I believe January 1. Wow. They launched this year-long campaign, campaign. And one of the things was they marched down New Dorp Lane oh, in man, these pilgrim and those outfits. Yeah. Wow. And then they had a bowling event. Wow. That's pretty yeah. cool. And I've, I've had these photos for a while and we've been sharing them and I didn't Actually, know what all of them were. We, we weren't sure what this really? photo was and we were showing them. You know what's the <laughs> what's the deal? And it took us a while. The whole story. It was Mary. It was Mary. So it took us a while to get okay. the story. So yeah. Joe, I showed Joe the Lobargo because there's know. there are photos of my dad, my uncle, Dom, yeah. Yeah. and this other group of people, and then this event, and yeah. I have a bunch of them, and I we wow. couldn't tell. But Mary Firmino goes, oh. So, you know, that was. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, she and knew I, the whole story. And I looked at her and said, "You're the first person to tell me that." Yeah. Uh, these are uh, uh, Pat Bennett photos. Uh, we've got a bunch of them. The advance was purging photos as they're going digital. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I, if Joe DiModio, if you're Crazy. still watching, I tell you all that I've reminded you before, but you could keep sending those photos as you pull them out and you digitize them. Uh, we'd love to have them and save them. Uh, but I, I got a whole That's thing. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, these are my dad's photos. He had uh, copies wow. made. Um, up in the corner, Sunday, October 15th, the Sheryl's, Sheriff's Posse Arena. Some sort of a cowboy gun show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jeez. I thought that's pretty cool. That's before the bridge, too. Wow. That's, that's, yeah. that's really cool. So some point in 1961, celebrating the 300th anniversary of Staten Island. Wow. Like Thanksgiving. With, with all the pilgrim outfits. Yeah, and it wasn't even cool. Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's no. the funny part. It was that's a different cool. time frame. There's a, I think it, I, when I put, when it, there's a, in the historic Richmond town, uh -huh. so now when you keep, when you start digging, yep. you find the program for the year's events. Oh, wow. And then they had had all these crazy yeah I can imagine celebration. I can imagine yes. yeah and this was uh, I can was imagine one of them. that's pretty cool in Brooklyn we just had the feast on 18th Avenue that's yeah. it got some <laughs> well, zapers and sausage that, and so peppers okay. yeah you know what a Peroni beer when I was old enough to drink although 18 was a legal drinking age then so you know before it changed again but uh, yeah that that was really fun and Bobby Mirabella in the thread there he kept talking about in that game seven against Arizona that the ball got thrown into center field right rivera it was a bunt right and, and he, he, he threw and he ne again never made an excuse he took it like a man he answered all of the questions but he was on another show like la later on i think before the next season started he blame Jeter? no he didn't blame <laughs> no he didn't blame Jeter. those core four guys always stuck together but what he did say and he said I, he was talking to Michael Kay, and he said, you know, Michael, not to make an excuse, it never rains in Arizona. Never. And the roof was open that night because that's a retractable dome. He said, when Arizona came to bat in the bottom of that inning, it started drizzling. He said, and when I turned around to throw that ball, I lost my grip on it because the ball was wet. And he said, not to, he said, we, I threw the pitch again. Gonzalez got the hit, credit to him. It was their day, but it never rains in the desert. Never rains in Arizona. Started drizzling, and he lost his grip on the ball. And he wouldn't say it that night after the game. He waited till months later. I mean, in the moment, right? In the moment, you know. Well, he did the right thing. He took, you know, yeah. you, you take responsibility yeah. for your actions. That, that's, life, and that's that's more. I think, listen, that's one of the things that I, I think makes him right an exceptional. He's a he's he's an exceptional person. Yeah, he's, he's he, a good baseball player. But from what great human being, right? Yep. He is a good person. Yeah, for so, sure. Yep. That's what you do. You take responsibility. Yep. Uh, own it. it up. Own, own it. it. Yep. Correct. Own it. Another theme for the show. Own it. Own it. Say own something. It. Own it. <laughs> own it. And we also keep it real. Keep I mean, it real. <laughs> there you go. If we didn't keep yep. it real, we own it all the time. Oh, oh yeah. We, 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 we yeah. own yeah. those mistakes. Oh yeah. Yep. Ronnie, Hawaii, up in flames. I was supposed to go to Hawaii in June too. Yeah. Talk about golf. Wow, that would be for convention. I would love yeah, to golf there. I'm a little, I've got a, a little sour. <laughs> Vegas. Yeah. The whole, I'm, yeah. I'm just like, oh, we'll get yeah. to travel soon. And yeah. I don't get to do uh, vacation very often. And those, those are trips. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An unfortunate era. Yeah, that certainly is true. Yeah. Rob. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, so what great. do we got coming Tommy up? Wilkinson is apparently watching golf too. Oh, oh well, uh, I, I'm, I'm on my way to watch. I'm looking forward to, to I, I don't know if Tommy's at home. I'm just going to go watch some golf with him. Um, own it, yes. <laughs> and Kenny did. Oh, he owned it. Yes, and and, and good, good point, Kenny. You and we really kept it real yesterday. Yes, Kenny. Yeah, like the was, charge of the light brigade. We called him out uh, for sending Saki to Joe, 
and we, we were just making fun, just having a good time. And within minutes, I, I felt like minutes, Jenny Soto was walking through the door to pick up pizza <laughs> and dropped off Saki live on the yep. set, yep. Uh, which I got to enjoy last night. I had my good, sushi right? fix last night. I was excited. Yep. Even more excited that my friend Jenny said a, <laughs> a pint of hot sake oh, with oh, there you the go. order. So there you uh, go. I had to drink that first. Of course. Uh, and then, of course, the I uh, hit the, the cold sake. There you go. Uh, right. So I I have to say I was – now we talked about that the whole food thing. When you get to order and have something yeah. you haven't had, yeah. that was like the best yeah. sushi meal ever. It's like extra, extra special because you was. haven't had it in a while. And right? it wasn't yeah. the same because I usually go there, sit at the sushi right. bar, and I yeah. talk to everybody. And, yeah. uh, I mean, they drink probably more than I do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just – I sat there. I was like, oh. That's so great. Good. Yeah, Can't we enjoyed it Friday. We, fr Friday night, it was good. If you have an order from there, they're good. Food. Yeah, we usually go to Nakata, but yeah. I, I, your place was a little They're closer. very good. I might yeah. try it. They're very good. And if you're in the mood for some, you want to pick something up after that, you go to Bono's right next door, get some pastries. Oh, yeah, so, you know. They get, I like the Schweidels. Oh, the Schweidels. They make good Schweidels. Yes, they do. See, so we talked with Peter today, and we talked a lot about the Yankees. And I have to say, I am looking forward to picking up that book. Yeah, um, yeah. it's going to be a fun to get And the whole Seinfeld thing. It's so true. Yeah. And uh, the whole shadow, the right, the, right. You the don't actor, see him, right. the, trying to duplicate Steinbrenner's voice. And you know who George Kostanza was? Right? was. You know, it was, you know, it was, it was it Larry David's voice. It was yeah. Larry David. Larry David did the voice of, of Steinbrenner. Oh, Steinbrenner. That yeah. unmistakable and, uh, voice. And then Jason Alexander. And I. there are some great clips that he just can't keep it. Right. Yeah, uh, like yeah. If you go back and yeah. you watch them, like the the bloopers, yeah. In in all of those scenes, because he had this, you know, the great job that he had, yeah. And then he just, you know, he did everything wrong in that job. Yeah. Not the traveling secretary. Uh, but it's the, Come on. the travel I'm traveling secretary. <laughs> it's cool to see that that history lives. Yeah. In in, in the yeah. book there, so that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, anyway, so tomorrow, Naz, we're going to continue the Yankee conversation with our own Staten Island Yankees yep. leadership team. So Will Smith. The, nice. the Will Smith. Will Smith will be here tomorrow. And Very TJ, nice. uh, we'll find out what's going on uh, for the uh, upcoming New York Penn League right? season and, and what's happening in the league, the shakeups. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're excited. They've been they've been making some changes in the last several, year, several years with their management yeah. team and yeah. the ownership. And so yep. I have to say my last experience at the ballpark was, was awesome. They've yeah, done some great work there. Just need more people to go and enjoy it. So yeah. tomorrow they'll be here. Tuesday, Naz. A very own borough president. Oh. Jimmy Otto will be here on the show. Jimmy, Jimmy Otto. and his beard. And his beard. Yeah. <laughs> Which, nice. or, is it the beard and Jimmy Otto? It, well, it's, <laughs> it's definitely two identities. Because <laughs> that is all on its own. We'll have our weekly check-in with Pam Silvestri. We'll talk food on Thursday. Pro Bowler Saturday. Joe Cal is back in the studio. Yep. With uh, the very... Uh, very uh, <laughs> McKendry, I'm McKendry, the McKendry coach. I almost did what that's what the yeah, see, it's easy. Shannon, Shannon O'Keefe, Shannon O'Keefe. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny because you said Stephanie, and I mean, they have their own thing together, they they travel out, they're good friends, they right. do a little Facebook, they, yeah. they've got their own videos, the Stephanie show. Uh, but Shannon will be here on Saturday, so we're looking forward to another great week here. I'm live from Rabs because I don't know oh, if you want to go yeah, into next Sunday. Mike Pellegrino. Oh, boy. Slots will be here. So Wendy McPherson Monday. will be calling in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm sure if you know Mike Pellegrino, you have a Mike Pellegrino story. So tell your friends and please join us that day. Mike would love to see and hear from everybody. Uh, so, yeah. 
we're going to go cool. take a trip down memory lane with Mike. Nice. And then he's all, I, you know, I have, to, I really want him to talk about his experience yes, yes. In, Vegas in Vegas and yeah. operating the bowling center there. Cause it's, it really, I said it yesterday. It's a total different yeah. environment. Yeah, different uh, very, and they're, they're very league uh, based businesses, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, we're looking forward to, to next Sunday. Michelle is asking if I, I, you know what? I would love to be here tomorrow, Michelle, but I got to go back to work. I mean, working from home, but I have to work. And so. we can't pay him enough to cover that. So. <laughs> I did call in last week though on Monday. So tonight on ABC. Yes. American Idol finale. I hope everybody's watching. So uh, be sure vote to number 17. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Tune in and vote 17. Yep. Our very own hometown girl, yep. Julia Gorgano. Yep. Um, you know what? And if we, you said it yesterday too. A lot of them do, even if they don't win, right. they still do they, great. And yeah. she's great career. For, yep. She really is. She's yeah. she, her writing is 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 great yeah, too. So, yeah, uh, definitely. Very very talented. So golf after golf, you got a little break. Yeah. American Idol at eight o'clock. It's a, it should be a nice Sunday. And then and the last dance. You started off with us today. Yes. And it's a beautiful, started, and it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful day. day. It is. And then after Idol, the last two parts of the last dance on ESPN. Chicago Bulls, that whole story. That's cool. It wraps up tonight. And uh yeah, that should be that should be good. Joe is uh, paid with jello shots. He could be. I mean, if Joe wants jello shots, we've got him. Well we're having an off uh we're having an off camera conversation. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Hey. It's a production uh, conversation. We really appreciate you uh, tuning in with us. We are gonna continue to be here until further notice. UFN. Two o'clock. Live on oh, Facebook and that. YouTube. Very good. Uh, continue to like and share our videos. You guys are yep. awesome. Uh, we love you. We miss you. We can't wait to have you back here inside the studio that we know as Rabs Country Lanes. Yep. That's it. Back to bowling. It's going to happen soon. Before you know it, this will all be a really bad dream. Yeah, yes. Oh, just a memory. Yep. Yes. A and, weird uh, and scary memory yeah a surreal a memory. Uh, surreal memory yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, joe is advertising all for abc he's making sure uh, he sends these <laughs> clips to his boss to make sure no. that he shows that he's working they don't even know how long <laughs> <laughs> could be a conflict of interest yeah, they own you right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the house of mouse that's uh, uh friends right at Disney. intellectual property right. that's right yeah uh, yeah we'll talk about that another time <laughs> <laughs> Because we know about intellectual property. Oh, they make us watch we videos. Got on we that. got booted yeah. in the beginning of this. Oh, with yeah. music. So, yeah. boy. well, you just maybe have to be careful with your book. Yeah, that's true. But I'll be retired by then. Okay. I'm not right. waiting so till. Is there anything that extends past your working time mm. that is. Uh... No, I don't think so. No, okay. I mean. Well, we're going to check into that. Yeah, once I close the. Clear, uh, uh... Once I close the book. Get it? No pun intended. Once I close the book on my career at ABC and I want to start my uh, career as a writer about all this useless information I have, uh, yeah, ABC can have a nice day because then they'll be out, out of my life. Uh, okay. And hopefully you get a nice package. Yeah, ex yeah, amen. What, well, amen to that. We so, yeah. Hopefully there's a nice package that follows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's not ticking when they, 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 they on the way out. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we kept it real for you. We yes. hope you yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, we had a good Sunday. Peter was awesome. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and we did. And if you haven't watched, if you're tuning in today and you haven't caught any of um, any oh, else of what shows. we've, yeah, any go of other interviews, go, go back and watch. Uh, and I even love when you comment because it's even funnier to watch comments yeah. on something that you, <laughs> nobody's going to respond to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but go back and watch them. And, I, and you're doing that, which is great. We've had some great, we've had some great interviews. Guests. Absolutely. Great, great guests. And Definitely. more coming. 
Because there's more coming. More we're on not, the we're way. Not, we're not letting go. <laughs> Endless. And today, we're not just two hacks. We're three hacks in the studio. <laughs> yeah. That's three. That's three. Three hacks. That's a hat trick for all you hockey fans. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. Peace. Don't touch your face. Don't. <laughs> Ashbet, don't touch your face. <laughs> <laughs> Nez. That was awesome.